Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cold light. Cold light. Cold light. Cold light. fancy point. Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. Just had a beautiful moment together. Well, we're both just practicing our. We, we got the fill right. <laughs> our drum techniques here we on the table. We got the fill right, and actually, Matt is a drummer. I'm not, so yours is probably better than mine anyway. Hello, welcome. Hello, Hello Cameron. Hello, G'day, world. G'day, mate. Uh, thank you, scientists, for your eruditions. Yes, and um, and also all the people that uh, make Sunday morning here at the trip. Mm. Such a great stop, and we're we're so glad that you've uh, hitched your wagon, your little electronic wagon, to ours here. Battery powered. Battery powered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, what have we got on today's show? We've Ooh. got what was one that? of your devices is trying to talk to us. That's right. Oh, it's the one behind you. Look at that. This is the thing, dear listener, in the studio now. We've got so many screens and devices. We do. Any of them can leap into action at any time. As uh, you once said to me a few years ago, being very topical, Cam, you've got a lot of glass there, mate. Glass cockpit. Yeah, you've got a glass. Uh, (laughs) On today's show, we've got Katarina Borsato, who's uh, uh, visiting her mum in East Gippsland. So she's... uh, Got the nose bag on, so she's being fed by her mother. Yeah, nice. Lucky woman. Nice. Lucky, lucky woman. And um, food is expensive, right? It really is. It really, really is. And I thought someone to have a chat to uh, in these times is someone who knows how to put the right food into our bellies that will give us the best benefit. And that, of course, is the uncompromised and the uncompromising 
Rosemary Stanton. You know what I like about uh, Rosemary? For many, many years, she's been um, talking about not just nutrition, but also things like portion control. Yes. And maybe if there is any <laughs> silver lining yes. to this massive, horrible cloud, yes. maybe we should be buying just a little bit less food and eating a little bit less food. Well, yeah, And maybe. that way, uh, you know, good for our wallets and good for and our good for our girth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember many, many... Uh, Many years ago, Cherry Ripe was saying, rethink the scent of your plate. Rosemary knew, um, sort of, if I can paraphrase, rethink the size of the plate. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So. And this is one of those situations I have to admit, it's probably more of a do as I say, not as I do, because I'm the same. You can't just cook a standard quantity of pasta, right? It just somehow ends up being enough for six and you eat it anyway. I know what you mean on, on that one. Uh, and uh, following Rosemary Stanton having a chat about uh, the expensive food and how maybe we can save a little bit of money in the kitchen and uh, yes. therefore in the dining room or the breakfast nook, wherever you're eating, we've got Duncan Buchanan, who's um, at a wine show, actually. Yeah, this, ah. yeah so we're going to talk about uh, cold weather yep. in the vineyard, yep, uh, but also automation. Oh, right, yes. Technology comes to the vines. And um, technology comes to save because... Mm, in a lot of areas of agriculture, it is uh, unless you fly in people from third world countries and yes. pay them pretty much crap wages on punitive visas. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You get the yeah, you get the <laughs> idea uh, that it's kind of hard to get people to work in agriculture. Who's going to move all these grapes around? Who's going to move all the grapes around? Who's going to prune all the grapes? Um, who's going to harvest? I don't know if they can actually automate to prune. No, pruning, pruning's a lot of work, isn't it? You've got to. Actually well, you got to think. It's it's got to actually. Yeah, it's sort of. I think a bit hard to just program the algorithm. But anyway, Duncan mm. will know. Yes, he's smart. Yes, isn't he? <laughs> hey, yes. he's got brains. He sure has. Uh, we were talking last week uh, with Joe Barrett, yep. uh, who was making her way to Mofo. Um, she's probably in the middle of that now. Um, the fact that she was making a minestrone at home. Winter minestrone. And, uh, yeah, I was saying, yeah, love a soup. And yep. we were talking sort of after the show about the zen nature of soup making, of slicing and cutting. And the prepping of the mirepoix and yeah. everything that goes into it. It's still one of my favourite cooking moments, Cam, is just when you, when you get the oil just to temperature and that first hit of onion and, and carrot, Still enjoy it after not, not thousands only. of times. Yeah, well, it's just it's delighting all the senses, isn't it, in a way? Because your eyes are delighted because it's moving around. Mm. Your ears are confirming um, the sound because that sound confirms to you that the temperature of the oil is correct. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then you go on that olfactory journey. Mm. I'll say that properly. <laughs> olfactory journey. God, they were sounding so poetic until I... Didn't make Messed it sound it properly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, just as a very, very quick aside, I remember I used to live in a place in Armadale, mm. a single-fronted little cottage. It was one of those houses that just has the one axis, long hallway. Yeah, and all the rooms off one side. All the rooms off yeah. And you could cook a meal. The kitchen was sort of down the back of the house. And if you say you cook something, uh, I don't know, pasta sauce, right? Yep. You start off with the onions, then you add the onion mm -hmm. and then the carrots and then the stuff and then you deglaze with a bit of red wine. Mm -hmm. 
weird thing was, right, mm-hmm. if you walked up to the front door, you got all those different stages. You could smell it because <laughs> the molecules would sort of would move. Would sort of push out in waves. Yeah, so <laughs> the, the front door would be raw onion. Yeah. You could smell that. And then you go, oh, wow, there's where I added the garlic. <laughs> and there I can smell where I added the, the white wine. It's really weird. So it's, it's like, like, a, like a time machine just by walking down your corridor. It was a time capsule. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of weird. But um, uh, we were also talking about the, the fact that it's the Zen thing for me mm. is um, when I'm preparing, say, the minestrone, giving yep. the example what Joe Barrett was talking about last week. You cut all your, your veggies up and you arrange them all on like a big oval plate mm-hmm. or something. And that's what I love. It's just like all those bits are separate. All the little and stacks. Stacks and they're all ready because I'm an organized boy and it makes you sort of feel <laughs> like you're in charge of the world and you, you know, you can uh, you can do that sort of stuff. I remember stuff. that the late, great Anthony Mordain used to talk about the fact that his favorite part of restaurant service was deep prep. He liked it getting he in, did. in the morning, putting some music on and getting all the veggies ready and all of the sauces pre-cooked. Yes. That was the bit he dug more than actual service. Yeah, because that's the chilled out time. Mm. Service is like the you're in the trenches and they're attacking from everywhere, <laughs> you know. It's like, we need more ammo for the machine guns, you know. <laughs> that's when you run out of your mise en place. Uh, yeah, no, no, I can... Absolutely relate to that. Um, but uh, have you been uh, doing anything good in your mouth no, about I, the I, intro? I was of... intrigued by uh, what you were saying around mapi tofu before mm. the show. Yes, uh, I've I've not actually tried mapi tofu at home. Just needs a few specialist ingredients. You need the red, the broad bean chili paste. Yes, uh, for one, you need some soft tofu, soft silken silken, silken tofu. tofu. Yes. Uh, and one thing that seems to help it um, is that if you get your silken tofu and cut it into two centimetre cubes, mm-hmm. you put it in water really, really carefully because there ain't nothing more fragile than silken tofu, yes. right? Um, you add about two grams of salt, mm-hmm. which is about uh, a tablespoon and a half, mm-hmm. uh, and then just cover it with water, bring that to the boil, and it seems to just tighten up the outside of it enough Ooh, that that it's a little bit more rigid. It's just an, enough that you can move it around because the last thing you add uh, to the mapu tofu is the tofu. Yes. So very, very, it's most basic. Uh, mapu tofu is uh, ginger, garlic fried in peanut oil. Uh, and then you add uh, a mince, usually pork mince, yes, with a bit of fat, yeah. Uh, and then you add the chili paste with the chilies. Mm-hmm. So that's your your mixture. Mm-hmm. Uh, cook that down. I think that's about it, really. Yeah, I think. Uh, and then you add, um, and then you gently put in the tofu, and then mix that up. Shush it all around. Oh, and there's got to be Sichuan peppers in there. Yes, and sesame oil. You know where I first learned about mapu tofu? Where Iron Chef. One of Chin Kanichi's signature dishes. Yeah. He used to well, that's it his, every I've, second week. I've tried it. <laughs> You've met Chin Kanichi one I have. Time, it yes. was a, yeah, it was, a lot, it was one of the big, big kind of red-letter days of my life. I and bet, I, yeah. And I actually tried his tab, and it's like, oh, the depth of flavor. Yeah. It was, um, it was pretty, pretty nice, believe me. Good for a cold day. And, and you know what? 
uh, dear listener, if you couldn't be bothered uh, trying to find a recipe and making it, uh, there's quite a few good Chinese restaurants around town that'll do you an excellent mapa tofu if we've just got you in the mood for it. Or uh, just look up a recipe, um, a really good one. It's mm. one of the first ones that comes up. Really, really good side. I like walks of life. Walks of life. Yeah, yeah. Really. I love a good pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, you have to. It's one of those sites that you know they talk about everything, and it goes forever until you get to the recipe because they I think <laughs> you get paid by the meter, by the of, paragraph. Yeah, by the paragraph. So you know, did I tell you about my dog? My dog loves my poo. Anyway, just it digresses and digresses, but you can push a button that says go scroll give me the down goddamn for recipe. just give me the goddamn recipe. <laughs> Uh, you are listening to 3 Triple R FM. Edith is the name of the show. My name is Cam Smith. Hi. What, I'm Matt Stedman. What's your Hello. name? Hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, speaking of excellent cold weather food, or any time of year food, uh, Italian and one of the great purveyors of Italian in this town is, of course, Cameron. Oh, Camerino Borsato. And one of the greatest front of house uh, people in the free world. Yes. We're going to talk to her a little bit after this. <laughs> Very good. Hi, this is Ben Shiri from Attica Restaurant. Support independent local radio like Triple R. You are listening to Eat It on 3 Triple RFM and using the power of the mobile telephony. Uh, we are going to, I think, South Gippsland to chat with Katarina Borsato. Katarina, are you there? What part of Gippsland are you in? Oh, buongiorno, Cam, my favourite radio star. Oh, my God, you make me feel special. That voice of yours, mamma mia, it's amazing. Yours? Yours? So what part of Gippsland are you in? I am in Warrigal, which is considered West Gippsland. So, you know, I left my heart here a long, long time ago. And when I get in that car and drive to Gippsland, it's as if all my worries disappear. It's hard to explain, but that's how I feel. I think it takes you back to your childhood and mushrooming and foraging and all the things come back. You know, as you get older, I think you start to appreciate those things so much more. Mm. Yeah, my God. Well, you know, you you are blessed in the fact that you uh, you have a mother who still oh. cooks for you. So, oh, God, God. You want, bless can you. I tell you what I had for lunch? Please, had for we lunch? want to know. My mother made, oh my God, the best polenta. And of course, you would know that the best polenta only needs water. People do stock and milk and this and that. You don't need that. My mother said it should be pure and simple because whatever sauce you're putting on it will will enhance it. Do you know what I mean? I do. Has has your mother got really, really big, well-developed, muscly arms from stirring it? (laughs) Well, she's 85 and she does it She does she it religiously because it. it's something that we as Northern Italians eat a lot of. And it's it's better for you than bread because being cornmeal, if you've got cholesterol uh, problems and if you have any gluten problems, it is fine. So yes. it is it is low in calories and it is, you know, winter warming. And she said to me, funnily enough, she said, you know, post-war, this is what we were eating and it's now yeah. trendy food. Isn't that ridiculous? Well, there, there, is, there is most definitely, and more so, I think, with the Italian cucina more than anything, what we yes. call, using, I'm going to bastardise this by using a bit of French, um, yeah. hot peasant. 
Oh, I love that word. And Ut. it's high, yes. high peasant. Yes. Um, and yes. the first person yes. that um, I was aware doing that was, do you remember Dunoy in Turak Road? Yes, of course. Pietro Porcu was wonderful, wonderful. Yes. What's his yes. name? His name is Pietro Porcu. Oh, he was God. from Sardinia. He was from Sardinia. Oh, my yes. God. He used to go there and it used to be, oh, it just, and it would yeah. be a fairly, well, not stupidly pricey, but it'd be a pricey thing, yeah. and you yes. would eat peasant food. And this was all yes. the stuff that took a while yeah. to prepare because you needed the love, you needed technique, yes. and you needed yes. preparation to That's to it. make things. Yes. Um, yes, and it was like, what was on your polenta? Yeah, well, well. We have had today is so um, some wild samba venison, which I'm actually also serving at the restaurant. Don't ask me how I get it. I'm just lucky. No, right. But, okay. But venison right. is ask incredible no meat. Yes. <laughs> but venison is incredible meat because mm-hmm. it's high in protein, but it's a very lean meat, as you know. Yes, so which, which offers quite... its own challenges, Katerina. Well, well, it, it actually does, and my mother always marinates it so it gets liquid in the, the meat, so as to speak, and, and to enhance it. Mm. Um, but, mm. of course, we do it traditionally with uh, with a red wine. If you're lucky enough to get, like, an Italian – I mean, my mother didn't use Amarone, but a Valpolicella, you know, it doesn't have to be yeah. expensive, but we love to use the wine from our region. Mm. And juniper berries and bay leaves and rosemary and carrots, and you marinate it, that's, right? That's it, very it northern. Very, Very northern, northern. Yeah. 24 hours. And then the piece de resistance oh, wow. is we had roasted chestnuts from <gasps> Beechworth. Oh. And we roasted the chestnuts yeah. um, and then we threw them on top as a garnish. So you've got yellow polenta, this dark, rich venison, and oh, then the roasted chestnuts on top. So it's a bit funky. What, you no, know, my mum is... That's so mid-winter, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah. and, and, that is, and that is so eating to the season. Oh, it really is. And uh, But you know what? As much as I eat it at home, Marcello, my chef, yes. we sell so much polenta at the restaurant, I can't begin to tell you. I don't know whether no other restaurants are doing it, but we are. Mm. And we serve it with a multitude of things. We're serving it with octopus at the moment, Ooh. an octopus stew. Ooh. We're serving it with our baby goat. Wow. We're serving it with our veal braise. So... Yeah, so it's winter food. That's what it is. So, polenta's getting a lot of <laughs> lot of mileage. Now, how long do you need to cook and stir the polenta for? Well, well, interesting. So the, yeah. the, the, the normal recipe okay. is if you're going to have a soft polenta, which is what we like when we're yes. doing it in, with stewy meat, it's always five parts water to one part of the actual polenta, right? I can work that but out. You, yeah. yeah, that's easy. And if you want to, and my mother always puts a dollop of olive oil in the boiling water, you've got to whisk it in, uh-huh. and, and then it takes about 45 minutes, and you will know that it's ready when it starts to crust up and remove it, it, it removes from the edge of the pot. You know, it moves yes. away from the edge. Yes. So that's when you know it's coming together. Mm. And she just likes to put in a dollop of butter at the end and just belts the hell out of it. Um, and that's it. But people put in parmigiano, people put in all sorts of milk. We just don't do it that way. We like it really simple. Yeah. And it is, a, it is a wonderful meal. And as I said, you know, Melburnians are very w- well versed in this in this um, uh, side dish. Yes. And so much so that people come in and they say, Katarina, can we have a side of polenta with some parmigiano? Can you believe that? That would never have happened, you know, 30 years oh, ago when good. I first started. 
Oh, I was just worried that maybe you don't supposed to have Parmigiano in your polenta. I thought it was like, oh, no, they're well, in trouble. There is a place yeah. in um, Piemonte where they call it polenta concha. And what it is, they make polenta and they serve... I had it when I went to Europe with my parents many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. And they actually put taledro cheese on the top oh. and they serve it as a course. Oh. Now, that is something really Piemontese and it was... Amazing. Oh, can we amazing, just amazing. say what's what's the legio that's never those that have never had it? Oh, it's uh, it is a cow's milk cheese. Uh, it's a it's a washed Wash rind, rind so. and it just basically just you know it comes out like mozzarella. It just stretches and oozes, and it's really it's, probably high in fat too. It's one but of who the. It's Who's one counting? Of the, no, not no way. You can tell from my girth, uh, but yeah. it's uh, <laughs> but it's one of those things. I would say it's one of the kings or certainly one of the princes of uh, Italian cheeses because uh, those many people will say it's Parmesan. If you're from the south, you'll say Pecorino. Uh, But but it's a a grand duke, uh, shall we say. Back to Polenta one more time. Um, I want to remember you a dish uh, that maybe is part of your tradition. I know it's maybe from more the people in the south. Yeah. Where they do this thing, it's one of the great Italian family meals where you make a big pot of polenta and then you just spread it all over the table and then yes. you put sausages down yeah. strategically and the idea yes. is that you have etiquette with this, you have to eat towards the sausage and once you get to the sausage, you can eat <laughs> the sausage. Have you ever done that or heard of that? No, but my mother's a beautiful partner that she part with after my dad passed on is from Sicily. And he was telling me today that in Sicily, for example, mm. they do that sort of polenta. Yes. But rather than sausages, they do it with chickpeas um, or potatoes or, or fennel seeds, and they throw it into the blender, and once again you eat towards. So, so they in the south they all have their versions of that, and I think the sausage one's probably the, the most famous, yes. and that means you're, you're you're mixing sort of protein and the cereal at the same time. But of course, in the very far south, and I do not say that they were poorer. It's just that you know pulses were part of what they grew up with. So you know chickpeas, you, you can understand how. It works. My mother thinks it's disgusting, by the way. Oh, good. She's so much more It's good to see but... she's still into her regions. <laughs> yeah. That's well. Oh, those, my Lord. Those animals <laughs> of the South do that. Um, well, and that's, oh. and that's what makes Italians and the Italian cucina just oh. so infinitely interesting. Um, Katarina, we've got um, maybe two, three minutes at most. Mm. But mm. before um, I'll let you go, as well as these beautiful images and reminiscences of food that you you offer us so beautifully, oh. um, mm. I thought we'd just acknowledge the incredible hard work you've been doing and the fact that oh. you both have been working 70-hour weeks. So... Um, I'm so glad to hear that you're having a little bit of time off and you're putting your feet up and you're you know, taking it easy. Well, I'm going straight back to work this afternoon because oh. I've got, you know, I've got a 485 bottle, or not bottle, but different wine cellar, and the management of that is crazy at the moment. Let me just say this to you. Hmm. Post-COVID, um, Melbourne, I can only talk about Melbournians because I live here, yep. have been so generous to the hospitality industry and they are spending up big time. 
my Barolas, my Brunellas, my Amarunas are walking out the door. Crazy oh. stuff. But I can tell you honestly, I've never worked so hard in my entire career. Um, I'm not going to bang on about the staffing shortage. It's there. Yes. But what... What COVID has taught me, because there's been this great unity between restaurant owners, because we're all feeling sadness and pain. Um, I was speaking to Matteo the other day. I mean, I speak oh, to everybody. How's so, well, he's same as me, uh, working Mateo, this ridiculous. We, and we should just say this is Mateo's of the eponymous restaurant up in yes. St. George's Road. Fitzroy. Yes, not Fitzroy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But what, what we were all saying is that we look, it, not everybody can be a restaurant owner, and not everybody can be a restaurant manager. And what COVID has taught us is that we are exactly that because we can cope with the challenges. It's not that we're not scared. It's not that we don't cry sometimes. It's just that we do it. We get out and do it because we have no choice. And so I just want to remind people out there that when you're going into support the industry and also the employees, just think in order to keep any place going, it takes more than just a family. It takes all the reserves and all the staff are so important. So when you get a little bit of a sniffle, you take the day off. That is stress for us because there is no – you can't get staff. Yeah. So I say to the guys, you've got to be really sick, baby. Otherwise, you're coming to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to be checking. <laughs> we want those medical certificates. No, no, I can understand that. Well, uh, yes. congratulations, Katerina, for keeping putting your feet on the floor and getting up and coming in. Uh, love you. Look forward oh, to... Oh, thank you. Uh, you can see my abs next time you come in, Cameron. You should see my abs. They're incredible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. We'll see if that's appropriate on the floor. No, Check this out. No, uh, I'm, I'm lifting boxes, darling. Oh, okay, good. It's such good. a pleasure. You are our voice, and all Melbourne loves you, and thank you so much. I, I love speaking to you. Well, you, love you, it. you are very kind. You make me blush, and uh, the love comes right back because uh, right. I think you're one of the, the greatest front of house people uh, in this town. So good on you. Thank you so much. Enjoy. Thank you. Love you all. Goodbye, Melbourne. Enjoy the winter. Bye-bye. <laughs> Katerina, the indefatigable. Unstoppable. 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 And, uh, and just the fabulous. Uh, if you haven't been to Katerina's, her restaurant is in Queen Street. Yes. It's a basement restaurant. It's in the legal districts, and mm. maybe that's one of the reasons why all those, <laughs> why those barolos, barolos are walking out the door. the door. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, have you ever had a barolo? I have once or twice. I don't, I've never had a barolo. I must yeah, do right. that one day. That's got to be a bucket list thing. <laughs> anyway, you're listening to 3 Triple R FM. Uh, and speaking of the cost of food, maybe mm. not the cost of Barolo, uh, we're going to have a chat with Rosemary Stanton uh, coming up next. Triple R. Three Triple R is the station that you've been kind enough mm. to join us on. Uh, we've just been talking uh, a while ago with Caterina Borsato uh, about her beautiful food things and the fact that Barolos are, are walking out the door in the legal and industry. Now I want some polenta. Now we want some polenta, but we have on the line Rosemary Stanton. A very, very good afternoon. Thank you as always for taking the time to join us. It's my pleasure, Cam. And uh, I had a chat to you earlier on the week uh, and we were talking about, well, the the price of, um, of good food and... Uh, and does it need to be expensive? Are there ways to uh, flow around this rock that we're on, this the the rock of inflation, the rock of uh, 
increased gas prices and things like that. And uh, oh, we thought we'd have a chat. How do we keep our nutrition up while saving pennies in the piggy bank? Well, it's actually not all that hard, but it does take a bit of effort. I mean, it's very easy just to spend anything, to not look in your fridge or your freezer or your pantry to see what you've already got and just mm. sort of buy whatever you happen to see. That leads to huge amounts of waste, and the average Australian family wastes about between 25 and 35% of what they spend on food. That's is incredible. Blown out. Still. <laughs> Still, yep. Mm, so well. you can sort of um, think about what you've, bought, what you've got at home before you go shopping. Now, I, I mean, I guess everybody's got a bendy carrot in the bottom of their crisper somewhere. Yes. Um, but, you know, have a look at what you've got. And um, it's winter, so if you've got vegetables that are looking a bit less than what they should look like, you can always turn them into some soup or some stock or something. Yes. You can certainly use them. But have a look at what you've got before you ever go shopping. Yes. Um, Have a look at what's on a special. You may even have to go to more than one shop because different ones will have different specials. Fortunately, that's all online, so you can look them all up before you go. Yep. So you may find that something you really like is, is on a good special at one of the major supermarkets, but you don't normally shop there, but you can perhaps go there. So you, you, you go there for the lost leader and then you get out. <laughs> yes, you do. Much yeah, to the chagrin of the supermarket them. people, yeah. Well, we're supposed to be looking around for the best price for electricity. Yep. Um, you know, and, and you can save lots of money. So can you with food. The other thing, of course, is to not go along with the idea that you're going to buy particular items which may not be in season. Absolutely. Now, obviously, the, or they may be very expensive because of floods and transport costs and all the other things. And the best mm. example there is, is the so-called, well, the iceberg lettuce, which I personally saw in, um, in a very nice fruit and vegetable shop uh, where I shop about 30 kilometres from where I live yesterday for $9.99 for a, a, a Iceberg lettuce. I thought, why bother? Yeah, unfortunately, I, I also <laughs> saw something for the very, very first time. I was talking about it with Matt last week. Um, a half lettuce for five dollars. I've never seen a half lettuce ever being <laughs> oh, sold. Dear. The bits will all go funny. You know, look, yeah. I happen to be very lucky and I've got some cos lettuce in my garden so I could just go and buy it. But the other thing that, you know, people go shopping at this time of the year for tomatoes, for example. Now, they're not going to taste good because they're not in season. They've got no flavour. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got to sort of think about what you're buying and buy what is actually in season. Because if you just think I'm going to buy tomatoes and they're eleven ninety nine a kilo, well, that's not the right thing to do. If you need tomatoes in your cooking, canned tomatoes are a good choice. Mm. Um, if you wanted fresh tomatoes, well, you know, no, don't have them. I mean, avocados are cheaper than they've ever been. So, you know, if you want to sort of have some, just look at what's what's going to be cheaper, what's in good supply with the fresh foods. You can also remember, oh, I only remembered the other day, frozen peas. I don't think of oh, frozen peas. Yes, frozen what peas. Yeah, and they're, they're so cheap, they're, and they're and they're brilliant, and uh, and a lot of the times because they've been picked at the absolute optimum optimum time, uh, they will taste better than a pea in the pod that you get at the market. Well, absolutely, and, and in fact, from a nutritional point of view, because they're p- picked very soon after they're, they're frozen very soon after picking, hmm. the, free, the nutrients are all preserved. So, actually, frozen peas are also a really good nutritional choice. But you can have them as a, as a vegetable. You know, we forget about them. I'm, I'm not totally crackers about frozen Brussels sprouts or something, but frozen peas are a good product. Frozen broadbends are pretty good too. I've found. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And and the and the, the green soybeans. You know, I mean, you can get yeah. quite a few of those things that can be a bit different. Yes. The other thing, of course, is meat is expensive. Chicken's expensive. Yes. Um, I actually 
don't believe in buying the really cheap chicken because it, if you roast a really cheap chicken and you roast a decent free-range nice chicken... You um, can taste the difference, can't oh, you? You can taste the difference. Oh, you can especially Lord. taste the difference when it's cold the next day. Oh, it's yeah. A, a cheap one, it's not worth buying. Now, the, the, the um, other ones are more expensive, but they're usually smaller, so the, the price you pay, mm. you just get le- mm. less chicken for your money. So you need to sort of, um, you know, enjoy... It needs to be good if you're going to have less of it. Yes. If you're cooking meat and chicken and things like that, then don't forget that it doesn't have to be all meat, in this, especially with winter-type meals. So lentils, I think, are fantastic, and if you've only ever used, you know, the green ones or the orange ones, the blue-green ones I, I happen to particularly like, um, cook them in with some lamb shanks or something. You really, you know, you can, you, you can cook... Well, I always cook enough lamb shanks for two meals. There's only two of us I'm cooking for. Uh, and I put lentils in it, and then I've got... I can actually make out of four lamb shanks and some lentils and lots of nice veggies, which I'm lucky and get out of my garden. Mm-hmm. Um, I can make it up for three meals. You know, we have one meal and you can freeze something for another meal when you're in a hurry and you come home and you want something warming. And the lentils just, you know, spread it out. I do that because I, I like them and because I prefer not to eat too much meat. But Indian recipes, Italian recipes, Greek recipes, I mean, there's so many recipes that are really yummy, yes. that use, use lentils and chickpeas and all of those legumes, and really they are very inexpensive. I, it's nice to use the, the dry ones, but they do take longer, and it's one, uh, one example where a canned product can often be uh, really good because yes. they're canned without anything in them, just a bit of water. Yep. And if you... I, I think that chickpea... I don't know if you've ever tried the, the making the meringues out of the chickpea fluid. Oh, and it's it's also really good for daiquiris too. You can, it's a <laughs> great way to make a vegan up. a vegan daiquiri actually, Rosemary, because it <laughs> forms the most amazing protein network. Yeah, and it, you can make you can make meringue sort of stuff out of it too. I tried it. Uh, once just I mean, I've got plenty of eggs here, but I tried it just to sort of, and it works. Yeah, so, you know, it, it's quite a good product. But I would recommend. The best way that you start the day is looking at, if you're trying to do it on a budget, look at your breakfast. Mm-hmm. If you go and buy some ordinary old home brand rolled oats, and you can often get them just in a plain packet in a, well, my local uh, fresh food market, as it's called, has, has had them yesterday, $1.50, um, they're $1.40 in the supermarket for 750 grams of oats. Now, that will give you... Well, in my house, it doesn't give my husband very many breakfasts because he's the biggest oat eater I've ever seen. Really? Is he really? <laughs> yep. And it's the one food... I, I, I like muesli, which I make out of oats for myself. Yes. Um, but it's one... Cooked porridge is just not my favourite food. But it really is highly nutritious. Um, each night, um, before he goes to bed, he gets out a cup of oats... Oh, puts it with a cup of milk and a yes. cup of water, leaves it to soak, and in the morning it takes about two minutes to cook. And, um, and that's so on the stove, I take it? Not, yeah, and not... It's, it's just on the stove. Yeah, you can do yeah. it in the microwave if you want to. Yeah. But I was just looking at the price of some of those chocolatey sort of breakfast cereals that people buy. They were between four and five times the price of oats. And... And, and the, why would you bother great... if you're poor and, oh, and, and not, not very much nutrition bad for your teeth, quickly digested, you know, so think about your breakfast. Um, it's the hollow me, man like, yeah, look, of I, cereals. I, I, I 
toast the oats for making my my muesli. I just stick them on a dry tray in the oven and I stand nearby because they burn quite quickly. Mm. Um, there's a rule in my house that if you're toasting oats, you do not leave the kitchen. So if you're toasting uh, anything, you, you, you don't move. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, I know I that rule. I nuts and things, but, you know, it's it's... It cost me a fraction of what a really decent muesli would cost if I bought it. If you buy the cheap muesli, half of them are full of sugar and fat anyway. So you, you, know, you can make a really good muesli, but you've got to do it yourself. What and do you that put is, in it? Tell, tell us your, your muesli uh, well, combining. I, I put quite a lot of nice nuts in it, which I toast. I also put a bit of toasted flake coconut. I don't put a lot, but oh, I like yes, it I because that. it's yummy. Yes. I put pepitas and sunflower seeds, and I also put mm. some linseeds, the whole ones. Um, you don't want the smashed up ones. They oxidise too quickly. Yes, agreed. So I put, put different seeds, and I put a few nuts and my oats, and uh, that's about it. I have it with whatever fruit is around at the moment. We've got a lot of kiwi fruit out of the garden and passion fruit so that, and yoghurt for my breakfast. That's my breakfast. But we need to have healthy breakfast and if you have a good healthy breakfast it gets you through the morning pretty well. Now if you don't like breakfast just make sure that whatever you do eat the first time you eat is nutritious and not junk mm-hmm. which brings me on to the amount of money that the average Australian spends on what are charmingly called discretionary foods or junk foods pre-packaged sort of stuff that's Got ingredients in it that you'd never find in your kitchen. Yeah. The average Australian spends 58% of their food menu on discretion, what are called discretionary, these junk foods and drinks. Now, we, wow. could, we could cut back on that. As you know, I don't think less has to mean none. I don't think you should have a, an idea that you're never going to have any of these sort of things. Um, but 58% of the average Australian food budget goes on food that's not especially good for you. So if we just cut back on that, we could save some money. And I guess we also save money if you can grow stuff. Now, yeah. growing things, I live on a, on a large property. I have a big veggie garden that makes it easy for me, but everybody else doesn't. But so many things grow well in pots, especially herbs. And I have learnt the hard way that you grow lemon balm, um, yeah. oregano and mint in pots even if you've got a big garden because otherwise they take over and uh, you know, oh, okay. really dreadful. Like so you grow them in a pot even if you've got a room for a garden mm. they're excellent to grow in pots and if you grow herb, herbs if you buy them fresh herbs they make so much difference to the food you're eating but they're actually quite expensive to buy so you know if you can grow your own and you can do it in pots and if you've got a balcony or something you can do that we also have school gardens community gardens as well as home gardens, and the good old verge gardens that are always oh, champions. Yes. <laughs> um, people get together in inner city areas. Some of them in Sydney, I know, have got together and they've, they each plant things and they talk about what they're going to plant so they don't all plant the same thing in the garden that's out on the footpath. They plant different things and then they share. And they find that a really good method. I mean, I always say if you're going to grow zucchini, you need some friends. Yeah, in, yes, you do. And, and also, uh, the, uh, the, the best advice that I've uh, been given is if you are going to grow lettuces and uh, salad herbs, uh, they grow really, really quick, but make sure that you do successive seedings, like once every two weeks you add a little bit more because yep. otherwise, like those zucchinis, boy, yep. you get a huge glut. Well, Rosemary, there's some wonderful food for thought. Um, I love the idea of uh, making your own muesli. I think oats are marvellous, but uh, 
mixed with other things. And one of my favourite things is uh, one of those things you talked about, which is the uh, slightly roasted coconut flakes. They go yeah, really well with those. Yeah, I mean, you know, once you're onto making stuff, I mean, if I have a chicken, mm. the bones all go into making good stock. Yep. You know, you make good stock, you, you can do soups, you can do, you know, all sorts of things. Don't just chuck them out. I don't care if other people have been picking at them. They're going to boil them. You're going to boil, you're them, boil up, them, you know, the hell out of them anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so you can, you can do a lot of things, which perhaps brings me to the final point, and that is, since I'm always talking about all the things you've got to do, whether it's growing stuff or making your own things, good idea to get someone to share the task with um so i think it's really important if you've got kids in the family little kids when they're little really want to help and often they're not allowed to help yep. bigger kids mightn't want to help but it's good training if they do and uh, partners of both sexes should take a turn at cooking because if you've got to do it seven days a week it's, it's a chore a but if someone else does it sometimes it's much more manageable agreed 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 right sorry Enjoy the rest of the day. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to chat with us. I hope that that's inspired some of the listeners to uh, help out in the kitchen, at least. <laughs> it's my pleasure, Cam. Thanks. Thank you, Rosemary. Rosemary Stanton, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. What a ripper. Uh, you are listening to 3 Triple RFM. Eat It is the name of the show. We're going to be going into... The vineyards, well, slightly outside. I think we're at a wine show with mm. uh, Dunkey Buchanan. We'll be playing his theme very shortly. Bye. There's so many different varieties of shark. Gummy sharks is most expensive. Than that's, that, that's the premium. That's sort of like the, the black flathead, isn't it? Uh, that's the Crown Lager. The Crown Lager, yeah. That's the full stick. Eat it. Triple R. So now it's time for Duncan Buchanan's Wonderful World of Wine. Yeah! Mm-mm. Gotta love that clarinet. <laughs> Every time we say there's not enough clarinet in contemporary music, there isn't. Uh, you know. Not since Stevie Wonder peaked it, I think. Yeah. Duncan Buchanan, where are the hell are you? Cam Smith, Matt Steadman, hey. listeners, I am on this planet. How are you guys? Are you well? He's on the planet, folks. That's good. So you're not having in, in, Elon Musk hasn't jettisoned you into orbit? No, that other boat billionaire. Or oh, Bezos, Bezos isn't saying, I want a Riesling bar on Mars. With his, with his phallus of a rocket man. What a, just don't start me on Okay, hey, hey, come back, come back. <laughs> you no, you said the cellar door makes you grumpy. I can tell. Wow. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm at our cellar door. We've yes. Just think back of lack of hospitality staff, as we all know. So us winemakers need to pull the boots on and so pour wine for people. Here is the the basil faulty of cellar door. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm tall and I'm kind of awkward. Yeah, so don't, don't my... and don't talk about the war. Yeah, no, no, I'll try, I'll try my best not to. How are you guys? You well? We're good, but um, we 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 know that we're in the middle of winter. Um, it's it's funny. I was yeah up around Yarra Valley, and there's not a leaf living on any of those vines anymore. We know that seasons have turned. Yes, and they've turned really, really dramatically. And that's mm. good. It's good to see. I mean, I think it's been the coldest start to winter 
since the mid forties or some such thing. So it's um, wow. you know, it, it is it is very very cool. But I don't know. I'm a bit of a pig for it. I like for it to be cold in winter. I like the changes that these seasons bring, both from you know, uh, you know the way things look, you know the way the landscape looks, but also what happens in your kitchen and what ha- and what happens in your glass. In you know, your what glass, the, the things, yes. the, what you what you decide to drink. Yes. Gone are the days of Campari and uh, and uh, schooners of Ryan Riesling. No, exactly right. It's uh, the schooners of Ryan Riesling and Leek and the famous Leek Tart. Yes. No, it's, it's, it's slow cooks, you know, slow cooks and Nebbiolos and, you know, bigger sort of, uh, bigger uh, varietals with those, you know, those party sort of mates. Although I did, I knocked out a Rockland Curry on Friday night. Rockland Curry, yes. Yeah, and, and had some Marsan with it. And it was a really, a very wintry, a very wintry, um, for those that don't know, Marsan's like a southern Rhone white variety that does has a fairly oily, you know, slightly oily texture to it, so it can stand up to you know, a, little bit, a little bit of heat from the curry. Whoa, hey, hey, I don't know what and you're doing there to that poor microphone, but <laughs> stop abusing that thing. I'm out of the wind, but yeah. There you Marsan, go. The Marsan does have that little bit of oil in the Tabilk thing. or Mitchelton? Because uh, that was also, also, it was All Saints. All Saints. Oh, they do yeah. as well. The yeah. Holy Triumvirate. So, yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? The... To Bilk, I think, have some of the oldest Marsan vines in I, the most world. Most definitely do. Yeah, most definitely do. But that's, yeah, pe- people do think when it comes to um, to drinking, or to what you drink in winter, that's always going to be reds, but it's not. There's, there's a certain amount of what I would call winter whites that are always pretty attractive. You what, know, what, what, give us another. So, oh, first of all, like, before we do that, uh, what sort of curry was it? Was it like Thai with coconut, or was it like. Yeah, t- yeah, yeah got Thai a coconut green? curry. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, yeah uh, wow. Yeah. And it was it was lovely, just a tiny bit of chili on it, but that that sort of those varieties stood up to really well. Marsan, Rusan do pretty well. Um, Rusan, even Pinot, a, a, a fuller, fuller body Pinot Gris will work well. Or um, oh. the one that people have been wanting for, screaming for for is that biggest variety, those bigger styles of Chardonnay. You know, you're um, the buttery the ones. Bigger, yeah, yeah. I've, man, I don't make Chardonnays like that. It's funny. I don't know what it is. I, I, look, I'm, I kind of like lactic acid. Like I'm going to put my hand up and go, yep. yeah, you want to transform hard malic into nice, soft sort of lactic? I'm, I'm there, but there's, boy, it's polarizing, isn't it? Oh, but I love it. I love that. I love that the argument comes up. And I've yeah. had to call a, a couple of years, for a lot of years, people, like, if you made me, a, you know, a 13 and a half percent, 13 or 14% alcohol Chardonnay, full Malo and tons of oak, I can sell pellets of it. But yeah. that is not my preferred style of Chardonnay. I, I like, and I, I never want to get to the point where I go, hey, I really don't, this, I really don't like this wine, but it's going to sell like hotcakes. It, it's, mm. That's not in me. If I'm, if I'm no. making your wine, I you want couldn't. to enjoy it. You wouldn't yeah, ever look yourself in the eye. No, I no. did not. But um, no. so those full of Chardonnays will, will do it pretty well for you. Um, but it's it's yeah, just worth considering what you would call a winter, yeah, winter white. A winter, winter white. Whites. Yeah, it's like um, um, uh, slightly thicker and uh, more insulating, which uh, which kind of yeah. works well in the glass and, and and stands up to the hardiest sort of food that you're going to be having in the, in those um, in the winter months. You know, they're they're a bit more robust and they've got a bit more to them, and they might be you know swamped out by. 
your curries or your or whatever you happen to be, ever happen to be having. Or, or I was espousing to Matt because he was you were talking about Matt about the uh, you were doing uh, chicken breast on the bone poached, yes. and I was saying, well, yeah, what about tarragon? Tarragon and chicken is big, and I'm wondering. Uh, one of those sort of whites would be appropriate with that too, eh? Maybe Roussan would be... Yeah, I think so. I think you're 100% right. Just that lusciousness that goes along with the whole deal. There's still, you know, they're, they're, there's not masses of acid in them, so you may yeah, want to look right. for, for other ones. But, right. you know, for this one time, Cam, I will fall on my sword. I don't know whether it's actually Riesling weather at the moment. You can have that. It's a free pass for you, mate. Okay, you know, and here I'm going to come back and say, yeah, but... Duncan Riesling's beautiful with um <laughs> with, no 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 I was thinking like a German style Riesling of a little bit of that uh, residual sugar uh, getting yeah. back to your curry because yeah. uh, it'll it'll take the chili and it'll repay you handsomely and go it's okay man I've got you I've got residual well, sugar I'm gonna well, I, talk just, you off the I'm ledge. Just... I was just serving some people then, and they were, there's a wine that we do. Called, it's called the Trinity. It's a um, 60% Pinot Gris, 30% Riesling, 10% Gewurztraminer, oh, and um, that is hello. an absolute. That, that's an absolute belter. Yeah. With uh, with those styles of dishes, it just that uh, works really well. And there is that little bit of acid in there too that will sort of clean up if you've got a, you know, a fairly fatty sort of dish. It will sort of work very well with those. How much is that? Oh, 30 bucks. Yeah. Okay. And what, yeah. and what, uh, what, what label is that? Because we need to... Oh, Rohona Valley. Rohona Valley. R-O-H-A-N-A. No, R-O-H-O-N-A Valley. Um, yeah. To, yeah. And that's that's one of my faves. It's just such a it's just such a lovely wine. And like I said, this does work across a few different disciplines. Good summer wine too. She's an all-rounder. Oh, she's a beauty. She's a bloody... <laughs> she, a, a gilly. A bloody... I was going to say, the, the Adam Gilchrist of wine. We were on the same page. I love it when we do that. And uh, I hate cricket. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I don't mind cricket. Um, but um, so cold weather, the... Um, uh, there'll be work. Uh, are you working on the the prunings and uh, getting all that organised to the vineyards? Cold, yeah, start, cold hands start, out there yeah. with the. That must be a little bit tough, you know. The, the feeling okay, of the I'll, I'll, complete transparency. I don't do a lot of pruning. Okay, <laughs> I'd like I'd Jim. like to be this this hardy vineyard. You know, look at me. I'm out here pruning. It's cold. It's like you yeah. know what? Be like you have no yeah. You know, you have no idea how much bookwork I can find to do on those cold shitty days. <laughs> I'm, Ooh, I'm busy with like it. Mm, Excel. I love Excel <laughs> spreadsheets. <laughs> Exactly. Here, yeah, comes okay. another spread, here comes another pointless spreadsheet I'll never refer back to and, again. And I'll put another log on the fire as you watch the uh, uh, the people do the work outside. And this brings us to um, to sort of a, a thing in the last, uh, well, how much have we got? About six minutes or so, five, six minutes, yeah. is that the inevitability of um, robots in the vineyard. From well, the they're... from the movie of the same name, <laughs> and there already are there are already some autonomous vehicles out there. I think just yeah. agriculture generally, it's been it's a really I've been following it for a couple of years just to see where it goes because there's a lot of very monotonous, hmm. very very physically taxing jobs that we have to that we have to get done. We just we simply must get them done. Yes, and there and. There's been a very big move towards automation. Broad acre stuff, they've been all over it for a lot of years, but typically you would have a, a fairly uh, common-ish situation would be you've got one tractor will be 
if one just have a, a tractor out there doing its thing like those, um, you know, your vacuum cleaner that gets around the joint and runs into your cats by itself, yeah, you've got the you, what you'll end up having <laughs> is a hoover up a cow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoops, sorry. I've <laughs> done it again. You'll have, a tra- you'll have a tractor being driven by a real person, but then yeah. you know, way off in the distance there'll be another tractor that's so one's the master, the master, and the other one's a slave. They just mimic what they do. So you've always got mm. line of sight with the other with the other tractor. Okay. So that's been going on for quite a few years because if, if you've got a, tra- a property that's say fifty thousand hectares, mm. there's not a lot else out there to run into. But you know you've got it fairly well controlled. Yeah. Once you get down to smaller scale, uh, it gets a lot more difficult. And that's so there are. And, there then, are... and you're introducing another axis, you know, as well as the X and the Y. You've got the Z axis because you've got the the thing growing on the top. The you know yeah. the yeah you know what I mean. Yeah, and that, Matt, yeah exactly. Matt's that's... giving me a weird look. I'm explaining this well. I don't. I... I'm pretending to know to understand what you're saying, Cam, because if I say what, you'll try and explain it again and you're it balls in, it up again for sure. You, because the Z-axis means you're in three dimensions, the third dimension, height. Yeah, okay, don't, don't go the fourth dimension. But, but the, 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 the headache is, um, and a lot of this automation is coming out of France and Germany, and a lot of the vineyards will go right up to public roads. Yeah. So while you've got these little tractors that may be very good for automation, while they're in the vineyard, it's a vineyard owner's responsibility. Once they get onto the road, it becomes a bit of a headache. And as I understand, that's been, there's been a fair amount of um, argy-bargy about that, like who picks up the tab if something goes belly up on the other side. If you and if you yeah, and right. if you think about it, if you think about it with a vineyard, you've got every there's a point of reference every so often. You've got a vine every meter or so that the, yeah. that the machine would be able to orient itself with. So yeah. it's it is it is an interesting space because especially when it comes to spraying uh, canopies for any any crop vineyards apples whatever mm-hmm. people don't want to be near those don't want to be near those chemicals even if they're organic chemicals people still don't want to have them all over them. So I think um, spraying of crops is going to be massive. Yes. Where you can just plug it, plug in a um, plug in a tractor and let let it go, and it just, and just heads off and does its thing while you know you're in the you might be in the office making sure added with another spreadsheet putting put yes. another log on the fire. Another log on the fire. Yes. But you, you might be controlling it via an iPad or something like that. So complete automation is it's not, coming. Uh, well, it is, but and even for um, that's a, certainly for the agricultural side. But even the once you get into the winery, there's a lot more. Automation going on there, you know, yeah. the picking of picking of grapes, the the the, the quality a, of machine harvested fruit that you can get these days is ridiculous. It's as clean as I can ever see it. So as then, we that, finish that, up, Duncan, sorry, oh, buddy, I had to. That's to you've got to wind me up. Okay, you? You yeah, well, stopped, no, you I, got me started. I had to say, now we got about a minute left. Have you got some great punchline you're working to? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so you, 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 you built up the expectation there, Buchanan. And there you go. You've got a minute now. You've got to finish up. We'll continue this next time we chat. I can't wait. We're going to get you in the studio because you keep uh, saying you're going to bring those magnums of Riesling in. Yeah, no, it's not. We'll, right. one each. we'll make an arvo. Beautiful. Good, good to see you guys. Thank Bye. you. Duncan Buchanan. I love that man. Yes. He's good. He knows his stuff. And his automated tractors coming soon to a vineyard near you. And not to mention the Z-axis, baby. <laughs> he gave look, me I, the I understood look. it. I understood yeah, it. I think, it. Okay. Yeah. And there's hills as well. It's difficult to yeah, run. You know, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're going to um, see you next week. Uh, what are we doing? I think we've got some... We're going to cheese next week, I think. Yes. Giorgio Linguanti from That's Amore Cheese. Mm. Astounding place.
Nick Maluka. I'm hoping to have a chat with him yes. at uh, Lakes Entrance. And uh, the boys from Dixon's Creek. The Finn Wine Crew. Yes. Three guys, big vision, one hill. <laughs> it's all good. See you later, Matt. You rock. You rock too. You uh, know it. See you next week, peace. And you people out there do too. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 